You're listening to the Heat Ratio Podcast, brought to you by the Heat Ratio Sports Network. This show brings the temperature of sports to a whole new level. Whether it's a local opinion or a national agenda, everything is fair game. Remember, everyone has an opinion, but only few can back it up. Now sit back, crank up the volume, and if you think you can handle it, get ready for the heat. Welcome in, everybody. This is Tony Jigsaw Catillo, joined by Coach Dave Dixon for the Heat Ratio Sports Live Show, Episode 150, where we dive into a new Eagles direction. And tonight, we have a special guest on the Rise of React Media Spotlight. We have Eagles Insider Reporter and host co-founder of Inside the Birds, at Inside Birds. Very easy to remember, www.insidethebirds.com. Mr. Jeff Mosher, at Jeff Mosher NFL. Jeff, before you even say anything, let me just say one thing. Before this year, there's two people in this town that I respect more than anybody. That's Marcus Hayes and Jeff Mosher. And if somebody were to tell me that I was having virtual coffee with with Marcus Hayes in November talking about the Carson Wentz issue and then closing the book with Carson with Mr. Jeff Mosher, they would have to pinch me and be like, are you okay? So, Jeff, (laughs) thank you so much for taking the time and welcome to the Heat Ratio Sports Live Show. So, so you're the one guy who's honored to have me on the show. I'm, I'm proud to be here. No, it's awesome. I like this kind of setting where we're just going to kick back. And, yep. and look, if I knew that there was virtual drinking going on, I would have, yeah. you know, coffee, beer, any whiskey. We could have done that. It was great. It was, yeah. yeah. It was great. I was like, wow, this is – I mean, Marcus took me to, to his – uh, to his county little coffee shop, and we were just FaceTiming the whole time. It was pretty, it was pretty amazing. So, uh, and this is this is just as good, man. I really appreciate it. And you know, just to talk, oh, we've been talking for in nauseum. Last week, we specifically did not touch the Eagles. Last week, we didn't talk. <laughs> we didn't say Carson. We didn't say Eagles. We said nothing. I'm just gonna wait till tonight. And I got even more fired up listening to your last podcast, closing the book on Carson. And congratulations, by the way, Quentin Michael, Jason Avant, the Q&A show coming. Uh, that's great, man. Yeah, actually, I I, we ju- I just did a show, uh, you know, our weekly Inside the Birds TV that we do is, is a guest show on our platform. And I just wrapped up uh, um, not their first Q&A, which is going to debut next week, but we had them on ITB TV to promote it. And, uh, you know, Jason was with the team the whole year as an assistant wide receivers coach and Q has been in the area. So um, I can already tell that they're going to get into dissecting everything that went wrong uh, from a level that even Adam and I can't bring from an X's and O's level. And then they're also going to talk about the new staff, the new scheme. And, and look, I think, I think while there's disappointment for a lot of people about how the franchise has gone and there's uncertainty about where it's going, this is, these guys made the point, not me. And I think it's a great point. Um, you know, when, when Andy Reid got fired and they hired Chip Kelly, we all knew without him coaching what we were getting, right? We knew the spread, fast-paced offense, no huddle was coming. So there, was some, there wasn't as much guesswork there. And then when Chip got fired and then they hired Doug Peterson and Jim Schwartz, most people knew that Doug came from the Andy tree. So you knew you were getting kind of a, a West Coast offense kind of guy. And with Jim, you knew you were getting the wide nine. It's all, we've, we've seen it here, you know, in, in different forms of fashions. This is the first time, even me as a reporter, where it's kind of uncharted territory. We don't really know a whole lot about Nick Sirianni and Jonathan Gannon and a lot of these new coaches. So I, I that part of me, I'm excited for. Just the, the digging in and really finding out what these guys are all about. What are their philosophies? What are their schemes? How is it going to be different? If they're competent? I mean, that's the big question we'll find out. <laughs> yeah. But I think from that element, there's some excitement there and some intrigue. Yeah, I mean, listen, who who would have thought we would be here? That that's the crazy point. Like you just said. And and that's on the edge. I mean, how does this even happen? And we're we're like one year removed from the guy who you courted for months. You went and visited where he ate breakfast. You went and visited the libraries he went to, right? You talked to everybody you could. You bring him in, you move up the draft them, you sign him last year as your franchise quarterback, and now he's gone. I mean, I just don't understand it. There, it, it almost feels like something else ha- has to come out 
And let me base it by asking you this, because this is the way I feel and what, what happened, because I listened to your podcast. It was great. And you mentioned about being a divorce. You know, if your wife says to me, hey, I'm thinking about getting like we already know how that's going to end. Right. So my point is, I really feel this was all Carson. I feel like Carson forced his way out of here. And this is where me and Dave disagree. I feel Doug Peterson got released because he was a Jalen guy and not a and not a Carson guy. That he went in that meeting and said, Carson can't be fixed. I want to move on and I want to go with Jalen. I don't know. I'd love to hear what you think, but that's what I feel like happened when we got rid of Carson. Well, you know, I'll tell you what I know. And uh Tony, I mean it, it's really like this. You you make a correct point in which you say Coming off of 2019, there's there, nobody saw this happening. No one knew the coaching staff would be completely changed and that the quarterback was going to be shipped out of town. And I know a lot of people feel that when the Eagles drafted Jalen Hurts in the second round, that that was the first sign that maybe they were starting to disassociate with Carson. But that's that's almost revisionist history. You have to remember, as you guys all remember, in 2019, yes, Carson struggled, but then – he put the Superman cape on there, and he went 4-0 down the stretch. Now, maybe he wasn't beating the greatest teams in the world, but you know he also had so many injuries at wide receiver that it was amazing that he was even able to do what he was doing. So they go 4-0. They make it into the playoffs. Who knows what would have happened if Carson Wentz had actually stayed healthy and played. The, the Seahawks were good, but they weren't great, and Carson went out so early, you just never knew. But the game was always close anyway. There's no way that coming off that season – the franchise thought to itself, let's go get a different quarterback and, and let's not do – I mean, they traded for Darius Slay, yeah. which was one of their biggest deficiencies. They wanted to rebuild more. They went out and signed a high-priced defensive tackle in Javon Hargrave. They made him the highest-paid DT in the game. They really were trying to beef up that defense. Uh, they traded for Marquise Goodwin. They drafted Rager. They thought that they were putting the pieces in place – to start to build up around Carson Wentz. I believe that they knew because Howie said it last year. They said, look, we know we have to turn the roster over. It's getting old, right? So even though they were coming off that great stretch there, they knew they had to do some things with the roster in, in turnover. But that only meant that they were then supposed to come out of 2020 and go into this year, 2021, ready to start to be Super Bowl contenders again. Because when you have a franchise quarterback, you expect to be competitive every year. So – to get to your original point, you can't convince me they they expected this or they were fortifying themselves with Jalen Hurts. I think that they were being honest for once when they said that that Hurts was drafted to, because they wanted a cost efficient backup instead of spending eight to ten million on a backup uh, these days. Okay, as far as whose fault it is, yes, I agree with you that Carson Wentz is a big big issue here. It's something that we talked about on Inside the Birds going into the 2018 season when DiFilippo was gone, when Reich was gone. Adam Kaplan was the first to really bring this to mention, bring this to light, that Carson is not easily coached, that he came out of North Dakota State. Um, good kid. There's a difference between being a bad guy and, an, and a guy who just doesn't take the coaching away. He's not a bad guy, but he's hard-headed. He thinks his way. He's type A. He thinks he knows – uh, everything that he wants an explanation for why you're going to do it. And DiFilippo had to kind of like butt heads with him to get him to realize that DiFilippo's the sheriff, not, not just Carson Wentz. And when DiFilippo and Frank Reich left, it was Mike Groh who did not have the same impact on Carson as a coach. And then after it was Mike Groh, it was Press Taylor, who was more of a coddler for Carson and not a challenger. And it got to a point where Carson then felt like nobody – Carson didn't have anybody to challenge him. And when adverse, and then there's so much others that go on. I mean, I think drafting hurts irked him. I think playing Jalen hurts, even a couple of snaps per game, irked him. He's the type of guy who doesn't want the ball out of his hands. They really didn't do a lot to change over the locker room culture. We know that people have taken shots at Carson through the media in the past, but some of those guys suspected to be taking shots are still around. So I believe Carson Wentz lost faith in the organization. Does that justify his? behavior in not talking to the coach, you know, harboring a, a very fractured relationship. No, absolutely not. I think other quarterbacks have probably had to deal with this in their careers as well and have handled it differently. And that part I do put on Carson, but I definitely think that they were able to deal with that earlier in his career. I don't know think that he changed. I think that the franchise did not re maybe recognize all of this about Carson. And as they started to remake the coaching staff and remake the team, 
it became a fractured it, it just it, they didn't do it in the right way and that's why I think it's an organizational failure I think you know Doug Peterson's inability to get through to him and Howie drafting Jalen Hurts and Jeffrey being a part of that I think that all contributed it makes sense it makes sense hey Dave I mean, you're up, man. I mean, listen, we, we fought with this back and forth. Jeff just said organizational issue. Uh, you've been spot on with that. I said it was, you know, I, I blame Carson a lot, and uh, you blame Jeffrey Lurie and, and Howie Roseman. So, I mean, your point is pretty valid as well, right, Dave? Well, of course I'm going to say right to that. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've been saying it for a while now that I believe that was an organizational thing. And I and I broke, broke it down to when – um, when Doug Peterson had his legs cut out from him when they said that they were uh, releasing his coaches that he said he was keeping. Uh, that started in the offseason. That was one of the first offseason moves. Doug Peterson stood on the podium to the media and said, yeah, these two guys are safe here. The very next day, Jeffrey Lurie said, boom, no, Doug, they're not. So to me, that was the very beginning of a fractured organization. If I'm Doug Peterson and I'm running the – I'm the coach of this program, your program, but I'm the head of it, you just took my legs out from me. What, what stance do I have in a locker room? What stance do I have with my quarterback? And, and the rest of these players are looking at me, and I don't have a say. So I thought that was the beginning of the fracture, in my opinion. Um, you know, Jeff, you made a great point of the people that they tried to uh, acquire or bring in. And Tony brings that point, too, and says, because I bash Howie and I and I have for a while now. Um, look, at here, here's the bottom line. And I said this to our guys on the heat ratio and all the people that listen to us. I don't want our program to do bad. I don't want us to be the laughing stock. But my, my concerns are real ones of. This guy has been in position for 10 years and, and now has outlasted three coaches and has brought in players that aren't good enough. Um, now, that 2017 season, everything came together, um, but I believe he had some help with that. Joe Douglas was around, and I wonder how influential Joe Douglas was to sign guys like LeGarrette Bunt and 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 um, uh, Howie Longson. Uh, what was his first name? First Chris Long and, and players like that that were glue type of guys that, that made the program even better. So getting back on the path of Carson, I look at it in a different way. Like, would I want to be here? I don't care how much money you sign me. It has nothing to do with money. When I'm, the, I'm your starting quarterback and you go and draft in the second round, Jalen Hurts, and in the first round you could have had – another stud receiver, and you don't pick him. The, and, and the year before, you messed up some things with drafting. But now you now the writing is in the, on the wall, and the media is saying they, they drafted Hurts because you don't stay healthy. And, and that stuff played in his brain. And, and the, the, the things that were going wrong and everything else, it compiled into an awful season. Now, for me, I've watched football for a long time, the NFL in particular, Quarterbacks go through bad seasons and don't get removed from teams. I've never seen anything like this in any organization that I've been around I, I, or watched or paid attention to. I just haven't seen it. So to me, and I've said this out loud to Tony and, and everybody else, that this is such an odd situation. And now the question comes up, Jeff, do we draft another quarterback with the sixth pick or high pick? And here's my take on that. You draft quarterbacks until you got a quarterback, until you have a quarterback that's the guy. You look at go back as far as, as um, Dallas Cowboys when they had Troy Aikman and 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 they already had Walsh on the program on the team. Walsh was supposed to be out of Miami, a, a top flight quarterback. They drafted Troy Aikman because they weren't sure. I, I they weren't sure. So right. you you draft. Look at your 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 guy Tony is is. Baker Mayfield, right? Cleveland Browns. Now, it's scary as it says. I have people that talk to me every day saying, we are the new Cleveland Browns, and that is so frightening to me, right? You draft a quarterback until you have one. So me personally, in this draft here, you're at six, not too often, hopefully. You're not in that area too often because your team doesn't stink. But if you do, you continue to fill that need until you got that guy. What's the most important position 
in the NFL. Quarterback. It's yeah, it's quarterback. Here's what I say to that. As someone who does not consider myself any expert on picking quarterbacks, um, I feel like this is what the coaching staff should do, and they, they probably already done. Nick Sirianni and his offensive staff should have watched tape on Jalen Hurts' last four games, and then they probably – and they may have done this last year when they were with the Colts anyway, but probably should go back and look at his tape at Oklahoma, Alabama, and apply what they see to what it is they want to do schematically and decide did they see enough of a foundation that they want to go forward with him. Actually, even before that, they should just evaluate him, which is what, what they've done, right? Then what they also should do, because you don't want to pick in the top six or top ten every year, is they should study every single first round. All guys, you know, Trevor Lawrence isn't going to get there, but put the homework in on Justin Fields, put the homework in on Zach Wilson, put the homework in on Trey Lance, and maybe even the um, Alabama kid as well, right? Do all your diligence, all your studies. And I would say if in the course of your evaluations you truly believe, based on what you've seen, that Zach Wilson or Justin Fields or Trey Lance projects to be a much better quarterback or a better quarterback, I don't even know if it has to be much better. If you think that's the guy that is going to be a foundational quarterback, then you should probably consider either moving up or hoping one fall and drafting him. If you look at them and you look at Jalen Hurts and you say, I think Jalen Hurts is as good. If he was coming out now, he'd be as good as any of these guys. Then you stick with Jalen Hurts. To me, it's it's that simple. It's it's not about bias. It's not about subjectivity, except for the fact that you're evaluating talent. I mean, it's just how is your evaluation? Do you do you think you have a foundational piece in Jalen Hurts? Or do you, you're not sure, but you're sure that one of these quarterbacks coming out of college is and make the best decision from there. I, I'm never against taking a quarterback at sixth overall if you really truly believe he's be the best quarterback for what you want to do. And it surprises me when I hear people say, no, don't give Jalen Hurts a year, because why would you want to bypass if your evaluation is that one of these guys – is going to be the next big thing, then why would you want to bypass that just to give somebody a year? And then, and if your response is, well, I don't trust Howie to draft because I've heard that too. I don't trust Howie anymore to pick a quarterback. Well, that Howie picked Jalen Hurts, so you can't have it both ways. So <laughs> at the end of the day, you just got to you gotta trust your evaluations and make a decision from there. I kind of feel bad for Jalen. I do, man. I because do too. I, I honestly, I mean, I as I know Carson got did dirty a little bit, but some of that was Carson's doing as well. But we're in the same situation now where we're talking about Jalen Hurts played basically three full games. Uh, he got yanked in the in the in the season finale. And you know, if you even talking about evaluating another quarterback, it's like, wait a minute, where's my confidence? Almost like exactly what happens home in college, all over again in the pros, right? This mm -hmm. kid can't catch a break. And he's he's been nothing but a, a good leader. He's been nothing but a good soldier. From what we're you know from what we're told and what we see, uh, it seems like he's garnered the respect. Uh, so it, it's very interesting because this number six pick can go anyway. And Jeff, I know you know on your podcast you talked about Jack Driscoll, and you talked about him possibly being a replacement going forward. And I, I think the Jason Kelsey you know saga is last year he came in. He talked about retirement. Uh, you know, he played on basically one arm all year, was a warrior. You might, he, If he thinks they're rebuilding, do you think he might finally just say, you know what, I don't even think I want to play anymore? Because that's, that's what I'm looking at. I mean, I almost think that that could be a mutual decision because if the Eagles believe that they're rebuilding, and we're going to find out a lot, by the way, in the next two or three weeks. I mean, you could yep. apply what I'm about to say to Darius Slay, who makes a lot of money, and some other guys who make a lot of money. Uh, certainly Zach Ertz, I expect it will not be with the team, but you know, if you're rebuilding and you want to play young guys and Jason Kelsey doesn't make a lot of money because he's a center, but he is one of the more higher paid centers in the league. Although I don't know what his cap, how it relates this year. I, I haven't looked, but the bottom line is the Eagles may say, we love you. You're great. But the direction we're going in is not the direction you're going in. Uh, and we'd like to move Sam out to center and put, Put Driscoll, at least have him compete there at left guard. It would, that would not surprise me at all. But it's got to be – but but if Jason came back and said, hey, look, no, I really want to play. I really want to be with this team. You definitely need 
leaders. You definitely need veterans. And he's still a good player. And the one thing I'll say about the Eagles, while you know I'm I'm with you guys where I have no idea where this this train is headed, and uh, you do worry about them being mentioned in the same breath as the Cleveland Browns. Good teams, even teams that struggle, like if you're good in the trenches on the offensive line and defensive line, you're going to be in a lot of games. You know, of course it comes down to the quarterback, but you got to be strong in the trenches. And if they bring back Kelsey, Lane Johnson, and Brandon Brooks all healthy. Uh, along with Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox, Javon Hargrave, Josh Sweat, and Derek Barnett, they're still pretty good in the trenches. And if you're if you're making the the decision to move forward with Jalen Hurts, you you got to surround him with some talent. Even though if you're not expecting to be a great team next year, you got to build around him. You got to protect him. You got to have a nice running game and a defense and everything. So you just can't strip it back. You can't go Sam Hinkie on the Philadelphia <laughs> Eagles and expect to develop players. That's that's just not going to happen. No, no trust to process here. No trust. Yeah, to yeah. And I'm not trying to rip that. I'm just saying you can't apply that to the Eagles. I don't want people all of a sudden. Be, oh, he's a process hater. No, 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 no. I'm just saying it's not apples to apples here. Nah, <laughs> nah, not at all. And I agree. And everybody, again, welcoming Jeff Mosher. Follow him at Inside the Birds. Inside the Birds podcast. Jeff, 265 episodes. Uh, amazing, man. You and Adam Kaplan do a great job. See all the information right there at Inside Birds. Go give him a follow. Uh, they do tremendous work. And we thank him for being with us tonight. We've got about eight to ten minutes left here. And another situation, Jeff, I wanted to talk about was the Carson Wentz trade. And I don't know if it's just a gut feeling or from what I read, but it almost seems like Carson forced his way to Indianapolis. Uh, it almost feels like, and I, obviously, he has a big cap number. Obviously, you know, he, he has a really bad year. He wasn't going to get a Matthew Stafford type pull. I get that. But I'm not sure if the Denver thing was real. Maybe you know, was the Chicago thing real? But it almost seems like the only team he said he would play for is Indianapolis. And that's kind of where he wound up anyway. So they took the best deal they could with the Colts. Does, does that make any kind of sense? I think the fact that the Bears never made an offer leaves this to open to interpretation and it's the question is did they not make an offer because they felt that Carson really didn't want to be there and they don't want to be the Eagles of the Midwest where they've got a quarterback that they're trading for and they're going to get invested to who you know they're not exactly sure is is wants to be committed to them or do they just not make an offer because they look those guys are all they got their jobs on the line, right? I mean, they're they're all lucky to still be employed there. And if if they're bringing in a quarterback who needs a whole lot of rebuild and repair, and they can't be certain that by week one he's going to be rip rare and ready to go, old Carson Wentz, then that's not a good gamble on their part. So it may just be in that their evaluations of Carson Wentz. They thought it's not, you know, the, the price to pay. We're desperate, but we're not that desperate, you know. In, in other words, because the Colts. The Colts are probably best equipped to help him rebuild, but he may not be ready to be Carson Wentz of 2017, 18, or 19 by week one. But the beauty of the Colts is they got a great running game, got a great offensive line, got a really good defense. They can probably have uh, a struggling or not there yet Carson Wentz for the first few weeks and still eke out some victories out of it. The Bears cannot. They can't. They're not good enough all around to be able to take on Carson Wentz as he is right now and expect that, bam, they're going to start winning games. So the fact that the Colts were the really the only team in it kind of makes it difficult to answer that question. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it, it, it's a good point, though, which you said, because it does leave it off to interpretation because Ryan Pace that definitely cannot afford uh, another stumblebock out there in Chicago, especially with the Watson-Trubitsky saga, right? So, uh, that, so let me ask you one thing about coaching. And, you know, listen, I'm not going to hear bash Nick Sirianni about stumbling his words or here and there because, listen, we're all not great on camera. I understand that. There was just a couple things that bothered me. You know, you mentioned right in the beginning of the segment about him looking at game film and looking at game tape. and see. But he mentioned in the press conference he hasn't even had time to look at film. And it felt like saying – if he went into an interview, if I'm interviewing somebody for my company, I, I want to hear a plan. I want to hear decisiveness. I want to hear somebody who's very comfortable with their words. And, and he didn't seem like that. He seemed very unprepared. Did this Nick Sirianni hire come out of nowhere? Because 
I, I mean, I feel like we never even heard. And then all of a sudden, he got an interview. It's like he blew him away. Next thing you know, we we came from Josh McDaniels, right? Everybody rode the Josh McDaniels train. And then all of a sudden, Nick Sirianni. Did he kind of come out of left field? Certainly did. I mean, um, you know, he would he could have been interviewed much earlier in the process because, you know, it took a little bit of a time for, for Jeffrey to fire Doug Peterson. And by the time the Colts were eliminated – the Eagles were just starting their search, and yet you didn't hear Nick Sirianni's name among the first three or four guys. You heard Kafka, you heard um, Deuce, you heard uh, Lincoln Riley. Like you just, there was no buzz about Nick Sirianni being on their list. Now, I mean, he's a legit candidate because he was an offensive coordinator and a good team, and he came from the Frank Reich system, and so people knew who he was. And and there are people who think highly of him, but he certainly did come out of left field. And and I agree with your point. And normally I'm trying to talk people off the ledge, right? I know I, I like, I get it. I know how fans are. I always say I have no problem with whatever a fan says after a loss within 24 hours, because everybody's pissed. And then like, you know, you wake up the next day and you kind of get it out of your system. You listen to sports talk radio and you hear it. You hear the anger on Monday, the frustration on Tuesday, the coming around on Wednesday and by Thursday, it doesn't matter who the Eagles are going to play and they're going to win by 30 points. So I get it. I totally under, I have a good under feeling for that. And so normally I'm trying to get people to like relax, you know, come back down. But when people were really mad or, or upset or frustrated by the press conference, Tony, I totally get it because Jeffrey Lurie just told you this guy was a master communicator and had a presence that was, undeniable and that he was an unbelievable command and then he painted this picture of Nick Sirianni sitting in an interview room with a bunch of guys from the Eagles and everybody being in awe and think about all of the pressure on a guy to have to do that remember right he, he he came dressed in like his Bahama shorts right because he was on vacation and he didn't even know that he was going to be interviewed and here he is just blowing everybody away so if he can do it then why couldn't he then do it in front of a planned media conference where, you know, he didn't even have to see real people uh, in front of him. He was, it was a computer screen. Now maybe that was a little odd for him. I don't know. They didn't do him favors. Like they could have seriously just put him at a desk with a computer to answer the questions where he was comfortable, had a cup of coffee. Instead, they make him stand at a podium in an empty auditorium talking to a screen full of talking heads that uh, so big because he comes from Indianapolis where they got like four writers, and now he's got to talk to every Tom, Dick, and Harry, and Jane, and, and Jessica under the sun here. So it's not like they did him any favors in that regard. But nonetheless, if you're billed to be this kind of guy, well, then everybody expected it. And when they didn't see that <laughs> – there was a good reason to have that reaction. So I don't blame anybody for having that reaction, but I will say it's one press conference. Obviously there's a whole lot more that we have to find out about. Nick welcome, welcome to Philadelphia, Nick. Yeah, there, That's right. I felt bad for the guys. I hope he doesn't listen to uh, talk radio. Or anything like that. It is crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. So let, let, let it, it close it. Cause I, I don't want to keep you on. You, you, you're, you're humble enough to join us. And I really appreciate it. It's no like all time here. And this is this is Jeff Mosher's crystal ball. So rate this division over the next few years based on promise, talent, and coaching. I know there, there's a lot of question marks on all of these teams. So in your situation, let's just call two to three years. Who do you think has the most promise based on what you see right now? It's an awesome question because the NFC East, if anything, it's it's unpredictable. Yes. You know, I mean, who would have thought the Eagles would be a four-win team after the last two or three years, right? Yeah, so, exactly. Exactly. So, so the first thing I'm going to do is pat myself on the back a little bit, which I probably people probably are tired of me doing on my own podcast. But <laughs> Hey, we have to I, do that, Jeff. There's no problem with that. We have to do that. Cool, cool, cool. In October, before he even took a snap of football this year, I said that I really felt that if Alex Smith became the quarterback of Washington at any time, that I thought they would have a really good chance to win the division because they reminded me of a poor man's San Francisco from, from two years ago where they had built up so much equity of first-round picks on the on the uh, defensive front yep. that they were good. I knew they were going to be a really good defense, and all it took was a quarterback who just didn't have to screw it up to be able to, to do some good things. And now I didn't predict that the Eagles and Cowboys were going to be so bad. But um, I did think Washington was going to be good, and I think if they're able to get their hands on a quarterback 
to replace Alex, or I guess Alex might be the quarterback this year. But if they're able to groom a young, capable quarterback, they're going to be pretty good theoretically because their defense is going to be good for quite a while. It's going to be pretty nasty, actually, for quite a while. Uh, the Giants are, are built up pretty nicely too, but I don't, I don't put their defense in the same category. Uh, I think that they were well-schemed this year with Patrick Graham, whereas I think that the Washington was well-schemed and also had really awesome players in the front seven. So Giants are pretty good, but I think Daniel Jones remains somewhat of a, okay, he's good. Is he great? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, the Cowboys are going to bring Dak back, and I think Kellen Moore is an excellent offensive coordinator, and they got a whole lot of weaponry, and they fired Mike Nolan. So they're, they're, they're almost like eagle-like in their ability to just change identities year after year. If they get some co- kind of competent defensive personnel, I think they're pre- going to be pretty good too. Uh, and the Eagles will be looking to find their way at least next year, and we'll see what happens in two years from now. But I think next year you're looking at Washington and Dallas as the two teams to probably fight it out for the division title um, with the Giants and the Eagles still trying to find find out more about themselves. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I love Washington. Like you said, if they could just get a quarterback, I love Rivera. I love Del Rio. I love – listen, that defensive line is outstanding. Uh, it's going to give us nightmares for many years to come, so we better build up those trenches on the offensive line. So last thing, have a little fun here as you go out. We we like to talk all different things on this show, whether it be sports, music, culture, and we all have playlists. And I, I love music. I, I dig it. I, I have an astronomical playlist of everything from – hip-hop the country to Motown so Jeff Mosher's playlist when you're having a good day you're waking up you grab that cup of coffee what are those first couple tunes the go-to tunes for Jeff Mosher to listen to to start his day off right well uh, that's funny because I'm a definitely I'm a I don't know if you guys are like this but like it depends on like my environment my setting my mood like in the summer I love listening to Bob Marley mm. I love listening to reggae I actually even like dance hall reggae like the faster stuff like Beanie Man and th- you know, nice. I'm a little bit older you know, so um I grew up you know in the city I, I grew up on hip-hop so yep. like give me give me Biggie give me most deaf give me Tribe Called Quest give yeah. me give me any mob deep anything like that but I also really have moments where you know, I'll, I'm like chilling in my room and I'll just throw on like Led Zeppelin or Rolling Stones. I, I mean, I really do like every single genre of music. The other day, we just got our bathroom remodeled and now we have this cool thing where our exhaust fan has Wi-Fi speaker in it. Oh, <laughs> so I put on 70s R&B. I was listening to like Aretha and Gladys Knight and... Um, um, man, what was the band? Uh, a player was on there. Baby, come back. You know, like I'm, I'm. I could be a throwback. I could be modern. I could be anything, man. So I'm, I'm sorry. That's not like a really good answer no. because I really do like everything. But I actually love it, big. I, I emulate you so much because it's kind of like we talk about. My playlist will go from like Kid Rock to Clint Black to Aretha Franklin, to Mob Deep. It's all over the place because I just love music because it just paints a great picture and helps you through the day. So, Jeff, as always, a pleasure. Let everybody know what's coming up. I know you guys drop a podcast every – it's every twice a week now that we're on the off season, three days a week to our football. What's going on inside the birds? Right. You can catch Inside the Birds, uh, our podcast. I call it our show now because we're on a podcast platforms, any major one. Also, on every podcast is on YouTube. It's visual, just like – the show itself. So that drops Monday and Thursday at 6 a.m. in the off season. Uh, Inside the Birds TV, we do once a week. It's an interview show, which uh, doesn't have a single, it, you know, you just look out for it. It's on uh, both of those platforms as well. The next one will be out tomorrow morning with uh, Jason Avant and Quentin Michael. Of course, their show Q&A is going to be debuting on the Inside the Birds platforms next week, Wednesday at 6 a.m., uh, what else? We got InsideTheBirds.com where I've been writing. Adam will write. We have a, a young writer named Andrew DeCheco who really specializes in the NFL draft um, and, and Eagle stuff. He writes for the website. And uh, keep keep tuning in because we keep adding and trying to expand and build our little uh, Eagles media empire here. I love it. Love it. I, I, it's great. And I follow Andrew as well. He does great, great work when it comes to the draft. So, as Thank always, you. Jeff, it, it has been an absolute pleasure. I really appreciate it. On a Tuesday night, I know you're a busy guy. It means a lot for you to waste 30 minutes with us here on this show to come to Heat Racial Sports Live and, and give your insight to the audience. I really yeah. appreciate it. I appreciate you guys having me on, Give me a chance to talk about Inside the Birds and just, just kick back and talk some Eagles with you.
Yeah, it sounds great, man. You you have a wonderful night. Hopefully, Sixers get a win, and uh, hopefully, we can we can connect with you down the line, closer to the draft, and and see any moves the Eagles are going to make. And for you and Adam, tremendous work, great job. All right, Thanks a lot, Jeff. Have a great one. Thanks, Jeff. You too. There it is, ladies and gentlemen, Jeff Mosher. In my opinion, Dave, <laughs> I, like I said, if you would tell me, and, and I've said this before, I, I, if you would have told me at the beginning of the year that I would have had coffee with Marcus Hayes. And, and like, and just think of the setup, right? So it's like, here's a setup. The two guys I've all, and I, and I wasn't saying this because I was stroking an ego or anything like that. I really, they've been my two favorite forever. And to know this whole situation is going down Carson Wentz. And here I am in November talking about the struggles of Carson, and, you know, in a coffee, little low-level coffee shop with Marcus Hayes. And now at the end of the year, after he gets traded, to talk about what's going on with Carson with Jeff Mosher, it's like a little kid having his dream come true. It was great. Well, your hard work's paying off, Tony. It's great. It's great to see you. It's great to see him on here. That that was awesome. Yeah, man. It was really, really cool. Yeah, he he's he's a great. I mean, just the guys. He's in tune with everything, man. He really is. And and the one thing about Jeff, which I will say, is he's the one guy you never hear anything bad about. Like you think yeah. about all the right. Like we have even Marcus Hayes because he's very controversial, right? But J- Jeff Mosher, you've never heard. Oh, that Jeff. But like everything he, you know, he brings you legitimate. You know, genuine sports talk and analytics. I mean, this guy lives and breathes the Eagles. That's what he does. And you know, when he was on a radio, I would listen to him. And it, it just just for him to take the time was tremendous. So I mean, eight thirty, right? Uh, he yeah. showed up at eight, which is great. Hey, what? A, that's even yeah. listen. That's even better for us. That means we can call it an easy night tonight, Dave. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so the reason why I like him and and Marcus as well, and I, a lot of the other guys I can forget, um, is because you feel like they give you their honest opinion without worrying about ruffling feathers. So, and what I mean by that, if they have a problem with the program. They're going to tell you there's a problem, in my opinion, with the program and not worrying about if Jeffrey Lurie is going to get upset with them. You know, um, so that that means a lot because his bread and butter is is done on relationships with these people that he rubs elbows with every day and discusses things with. So he just gives his honest opinion and he doesn't worry about feelings so much, you know, and uh, I think that's a big deal. No, it, it definitely is. It's a huge deal. Uh, you know, it really is. And and, and he, he's credible. You know, mm-hmm. athletes respect him. You know, front office people respect him because of the work that he does. And and that's what I've always said. Listen, you don't listen, you don't move up in this business by calling people out. And, you know, as much as you may not like guys like Joe Giglio and Howard asking, guess what? Dude's got more of a background than you do. So we could say whatever we want. I don't know if you've seen it, Dave, but I, I know it would have been something right up your alley. I think it was the Arkansas or the Auburn head coach for football um, was talking about social media and was talking about, you know, he went on a four-minute tirade about, you know, all these people that think they know and mm-hmm. think they understand. And, you know, and he was right if you think about it. Listen, the great thing about social media, it gives us all voice. Right. It is. It's great. We, we all have a voice. But the problem is use it wisely. And, you know, and that's why I, I say that I tell my kids that, listen, we, you know, we're, we're doing some really big things here. The Heat Ratio Sports Network. We have so many people here. Uh, listen, I can't tell you that the amount of shows that we're adding. We have about five or six shows that are coming in the next couple of weeks. Uh, maybe eight to ten unique personalities that are joining this network. And it's going to be fantastic. And again, I, I've said this all the time. We need to be credible with our content. We need to be consistent. And that's how we get guests like Jeff Mosher. Right? That's how we get Marcus Hayes. That's exactly how we get him. Well, I think, Tony, it, it, there's a way of going about things in our world today, and it's all about respect. And if you don't treat each other with respect, then you have nothing. And, you know, that's that's the biggest thing. What you said, how you deliver a message and how you discuss it, you know, t- telling people exactly how you feel and think, you know, isn't always the best thing. You know, yeah, you, ha- you have to. You have to stay in check and be respectful because exactly like you said, you know, 
Um, we're not inside the locker rooms. We're not these players. And all of our stuff that we're bringing to the table is just our opinion. And there's a way to deliver it. That's all. No, you, no, listen, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. There's a way to deliver it, right? And, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I can't say it enough. And if you don't deliver it the right way, you're going to be in trouble, man. And yeah. it's going to come back to bite you, right? Yeah, sure. Yep. I mean, we talk about that with our kids all the time. Um, you know, every day of the week. So, uh, Jenna, what's up, Jenna? Checking in now. She's on Periscope. Jenna, you're all over the place. YouTube, Periscope, you name it. Sorry, I missed no big deal. Listen, Jeff came on early. Uh, he was going to come on at 8.30. He wanted to come on at 8, which is fine, obviously. Uh, the guy's a busy man. So, uh, do you see a situation where JC Kelsey gets caught? We, we asked Jeff that, and I thought he had an honest opinion. He had the same take that I kind of do is, listen, this is a guy who – quite frankly, might not want to play anymore. We've seen the closing picture between Carson, Ertz, and Kelsey at the end of the year on the li- at the link, on the field, and I think that was to say, I think this is over. Like, yeah. I think they all knew, Dave, that this was their last day in an Eagles uniform. They all knew. So, I don't not, not – I, I agree with Jeff. I don't think he gets cut. I think they do a mutual – you know, you know, a mutual separation, basically, uh, just like a married couple would do. I really think I see this happening because I don't think he comes back, Dave, at all. Well, I think, I think, organizationally, they'll they'll allow Jason to make this come true or not. I think it's they're going to leave it up to him. I think if he wants to come back, like Jeff said, you need leaders, um, and I think they'll be happy to keep him as a leader and. And, you know, if he comes to them and says, you know what, I need you guys to release me, they're going to oblige him and do that. So I think it's Kelsey's decision. I think so, too. I definitely think so. Um, uh, and I'll tell everybody that missed the show, check it out on YouTube. My man, Al, look at the hype man. Al, Al you're on it, brother. You are on it. For, it That's the main. He took it right out of my took the words right out of my mouth. For everybody tuning in now, I know you know we were promoing this out uh, you know all day about eight thirty. Uh, Jeff came on at eight, but this will be on YouTube. Obviously, uh, you can go back and watch it as soon as it's on. It will be podcasted. Uh, so we're everywhere: iHeart, uh, Spotify, uh, you know, you name it, Pandora, Google Play, iTunes. Uh, check it out again, and check out Jeff and Adam inside the birds. Uh, I'll tell you what, man. It's one of my favorite listens. Like I said, 265 episodes. I mean, we're we're at 150, and I feel like we'll be doing it forever. Uh, <laughs> 265, Dave. That is tremendous. It really is. Now, Rich, what's up, Rich? Checking in says Kelsey. I think is retiring. I don't think he wants to go through camp and all. I, Rich, I completely agree. Uh, honestly, 100. percent I, I feel the same way. Um, Jeff is one of the honest guys. Exact. Listen. You're right. Jeff is one of the honest guys reporting. That's why he gets to wear. Listen, no matter what happens, Jeff always finds a way, right? He always finds a way. It was on radio. Then, you know, things happen at radio. They make some cuts, and now he's on his own. I mean, I, and I think Adam Kaplan gets a bad rep, too. I, 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 think, he, I, I think he's got a very uh, unique sense of humor, and he's connected. You know, yeah, he's very connected. He He's on national television. And he get he has a lot of sources because people were listen. I listened to him the other day, and he's saying he already knew Deshaun Jackson was getting cut, and he announced it at not at six a.m. in the morning, and it wasn't announced till three p.m. to the national audience. There's a guy that's connected. There's a guy who knows. So, uh, yeah, it, you know, it, it, Jeff Second and Kaplan knows his stuff absolutely. So, the way this show was going to go is me and Dave were probably going to just. You know, kind of back and forth a little bit, talk a little Eagles, talk a little Sixers, uh, talk about the Tobias the, the Harris snub, Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid are playing right now. Right now it's 55-42 Philly. Um, but, and then we were going to bring Jeff in at 8.30, close out the show. Uh, but he happened to pop up. <laughs> you know, he's kind of Lincoln, like, oh, Jeff's here. No big deal, uh, which was great. You know, we went, we went early, uh, got it. It was great half hour, uh, 35 minutes almost. Gave us a lot of insight. So, uh, you know, for the next couple minutes, we'll end the show on on some Sixers talk, Dave. And I know they're playing right now against Toronto. Uh, ben Simmons, man. Let me let, let, let me. So, before I say that, because I got a fun 
a fun thing for Dave, a fun question for Dave that was posed to me tonight by my good buddy Steen on Sports on 1700 to Champ. Uh, you can catch me there as 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 all every Tuesday at six o'clock Eastern time at 1700 to Champ. Check them out on uh, uh, Steen on Sports on Twitter. Does a great job. Uh, this whole greatest player of all time talk is kind of annoying to me. So I turn on the radio, I, I uh, go on Twitter, and I just – it's nobody no, – this isn't anybody directly, but can we just let players play? Like, mm-hmm. why, why – like, seriously, why are we worried about if Joel Embiid is the greatest sixer of all time and he's only played for five years? I mean, like, we, we listen, Wilt Chamberlain's on another level. Dr. J is on another level. Allen Iverson is on another level. Charles Barkley – on another, I mean, let's just stop with all these comparisons, man. Mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, you feel the same way? Is it, it does it get a little annoying with that? I never bought into any of that stuff. I can't stand that stuff. The, I mean, the LeBron, the Jordan conversation—it's it, fun like for that. a couple. It's fun for a couple minutes, but <laughs> I mean, honestly, who gives a shit? I mean, who cares? It, it, let them play. I, I agree with you. Uh, you know, now listen. You make a comparison. Um, ben Simmons could play, hopefully, play like a Magic Johnson, but you, they're not the same players. It's just giving you somebody to to shoot at. You know, like this is the potential. This is where they could be. You know, but I agree with you that you know, Joel Embiid isn't great at anything yet until he wins something or he proves that he's capable of being consistent. You know, like the, the players that you named, uh, my favorite player to watch in a Sixers uniform, Allen Iverson. Yeah. I loved Charles Barkley. I watched a lot of basketball with Charles Barkley. But my favorite Sixer, heart and soul, Allen Iverson. How how can we compare any other – yeah, that's right. How can we compare any other Sixer to Allen Iverson? I mean, there's a guy that gave his heart and soul. He was 160 pounds, maybe if he wore heavy sneakers that night. And he 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 was a, a lion out there, you know. So just enjoy what you have. This is why I, I I don't I don't like when people bash Ben Simmons and they want to get rid of him. But I will say that this conversation came up in my house the other day after watching Chicago versus Sixers. If you told me, and this was the talk in the beginning of the year, Zach Levine for Ben Simmons, I'm telling you right now, I would have done it in a second. Me too. Uh, so, you know, and, and and I don't want to give up on Ben. I'm not saying I'm giving up on Ben, but if you guys can pay attention to Zach Levine play basketball, he, he's a dynamic kid, and he's only getting better every day. And his offensive skill set is just scratching the surface, in my opinion. Well. Here's the thing about Zach. Number one, he's getting real close to the the DTM list, okay, for me, which is called the dead to me list for DraftKings because you know, <laughs> I finally put all my stock in him and he gives me a snowflake last night, which means he was about 20 points off his average. Come on, Zach. Like, you know, give me a break, right? But listen, Zach Levine is, is a pure, pure talent. Mm-hmm. And I know we're talking about skill set as a as as you know compared to the NFL or the NBA court, but that dunk contest between mm-hmm. him and Aaron Gordon, I can watch over and over again. And mm-hmm. here's the fact: this is the thing. This is what I and, and this is re- this going to ruffle a lot of feathers. And even though I'm a Jordan guy, I quite honestly think that was the best dunk contest of all time. And here's why. Here's why I will say that. Even though I'm a Jordan guy and the Jordan verse Neek and the Vince Sanity, right? All those were great. But here's the thing. We knew Vince Carter could dunk. We knew Michael Jordan and Dominique were going to be a, a, a showtime at the Apollo type atmosphere. We had no idea that Aaron Gordon and Zach Levine were going to put on a show like that. So the surprise Okay, yeah. the surprise effect of that dog contest to me makes it the best of all time. It really does. That was a great one. I and I agree with that. I, I agree with that. The kid, the, uh, you know, unfortunately around here, unless you're diehard like my son Sean is, he's watching basketball games. 
that I don't even know that there's a team in the league, you know, and he's watching them play. He's watching them play. So if you don't pay attention to the league, Zach Levine, what he's done, what he's able to do on the court is, I mean, he, he's a special talent and he could be, I, I'm a, I, obviously this is just my opinion. You put him on the Sixers now, Tony, and you have a championship contender for a couple of years. Yeah. If they can stay healthy, if they can stay healthy. That's that's how much of a dramatic swing offensively this team makes. Now, don't get me wrong. What I see in Ben, the weakest link in the Sixers right now is Tobias Harris. I I, I, I'm, I know he's scoring and people are sticking up for him. His defense to me, he's not good enough, man. And he's and he doesn't hit the clutch shots. I'm done with I'm done with Tobias Harris. And he makes big money. That was the Sixers' fault for paying him that. I get it, but. Toby is on my nerves, man. Really See, we're going to disagree there because I think Toby's having a phenomenal year, and I think he got snubbed. He is. He got snubbed for the All-Star uh, with Devin Booker, but I think the reason why Toby got snubbed was because they weren't going to put three Sixers on the team. They just weren't going to do it. right? They weren't going to have you know Joel, obviously, Ben, and Tobias. So I think that the choice was we got to put Ben or Tobias, and we're only we can only put one. We got to put Ben. I think I think that's the way that that they actually looked at it. And Jenna checking it says Joel is one for nine. Yeah, MVP candidate. Listen for everybody listening. Okay, again, please if you're on YouTube, subscribe. And number two, if you're on Twitter follow and number three we will be live right after the game uh, i'm gonna be honest with you uh, you know I, I don't have any competition you know uh, we i should say we don't have any competition in the sense that i i enjoy everybody's content so i love watching the sixers outsiders with tyrone johnson and, and crystal rich i watch it all the time but they don't come on for about 30 to 45 minutes after the game. So what we're trying to do is give you a segue to that show. Okay, so we're going to go as much as we can, whether it be myself, if Dave can hop on, we have Dan, we have Vance, we have Al, Andre, we have Jamar. We, we have so many people, man, so many people. You don't know who's going to come on at any certain time. And like I said, there's about 10 to 15 other people. I'm, I'm not bullshitting. That will be on this network in the next couple of weeks. It's going to blow your mind. I will tell you that. But Jenna, please bring it. And Jenna, remember, Jenna, I know you're listening. Okay, we talked last Sunday. Well, I should say the past Sunday. And I told you, you have an open invitation. Celtics are playing up tonight against the Dallas Mavericks as well. So you have an open invitation. I will send you the link, and you can come on live, okay, to our post-game show, and we can talk about it and have some fun because Jenna is is fantastic. We always have fun. Uh, she's an avid follower and a friend of the family. So, uh, you know, of the Heat. Jenna, Jenna is a Boston Celtic fan? Yes, she is. Huh, yeah, okay. she is. She is a Boston Celtics <laughs> fan. So, so we, we, we were going back and forth about, you know, about Boston and, and Philly. So we're like, all right, well, you know, let, let, let's get some talk going, which is great. So, Dave, this is what we're going to do. And I, I, all I plan to do is go an hour uh, with this show because I wanted to really, really uh, highlight Jeff Mosher uh, and the Eagles on this show. And I think it was perfect that we didn't talk about – the Eagles last week. It brought us right to this week. Uh, perfect segue because I told you guys, I was talking to Jeff for the last through, uh, two or three weeks, and he was like, I, I want to come on after they trade Carson. He knew he was getting traded. He's like, I want to come on and give you the Carson insight once he's done. Well, it worked out perfectly. I literally, I, I will post a DM. Soon as Carson got traded, I got the DM for Jeff. It's like, hey, it worked out perfectly. And he was like, yep. I was like, yeah. So, uh, but let me ask you this, Dave, because this is a phenomenal question. Oh, before I, I ask you this, uh, prayers go out Tiger Woods. I have to say that. Uh, unfortunate. I, I, you know, I'm not even – stop with the speculation. Stop with everything. The, the, the problem we have right now is obviously it's not life-threatening. We know that. But this could that could have been the last swing he ever took with a golf club. Okay? Mm -hmm. We don't know how, how severe the injuries are to his legs. Okay? But we're talking about one of the – greatest golfers ever of our lifetime you know and and dave i know you remember this and and i know this is a little more extreme but i remember growing up when Payne stewart passed away in a plane crash, right yeah. and when right and when Payne stewart passed that really took the, the the sport by storm 
Mm-hmm. And and this could have the same kind of impact, even though Tiger is still here, if he's never able to throw or never able to hit a driver once again. So yeah. uh, prayers go out to Tiger uh, for real. I mean, uh, Rich, you're absolutely right. Transcended sports, Tiger Woods. You're uh, listen. He he absolutely transcended the the, the world of the PGA. Uh, he he was the Jackie Robinson of golf, man. Think yeah. about it. Um, he opened up avenues not only for minorities and diversity, but for culture in general. Uh, you know, he opened up all these young guys, no matter what kind of ethnicity or background they had, but just just to be welcomed into the tour for people to be talked about, man. And that's what Tiger Woods did, and we will never forget that. Now. To this, this phenomenal question, and, and, and I, I love this, Dave, because this is going to be really interesting. So there's these things going around. It's kind of like, you know, you have to take one off the list, so to speak. And, uh, you know, and, and I really like I, I was I was throwing this to me today on, on my segment for 1700 to champ. And it was you have four guys. You have Michael Jordan. You have Tiger Woods, Wayne Gretzky. And Tom Brady, you have to take one off the list. Who is it? And I'll tell you what, I thought about it for a little while because it's a really tough question. And you have to take all, listen, here's the thing. You have to take all personality conflicts aside, no matter what you might think of Tom Terrific or Wayne Gretzky or the Jordan rules or Tiger, you know, Tiger with the whole marital issue Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. You take all that out and just the sports background of all four of those players and what they meant to their perspective sport. What guy would you get rid of out of those four? Tiger Woods. Wow, really? Yeah. What, uh, who's, who's, so, the great, who's the great who's the greatest basketball player to me of all time? Michael Jordan. Who's the greatest hockey player of all time? To me, Wayne Gretzky. Who's the greatest quarterback of all time in the NFL? Tom Brady. To me. Who's the greatest golfer of all time? Now there's a question mark. Golden Bear? Yeah, or yeah exactly. Yeah, because Jack still has more championships. I'm pretty sure. Don't listen. Don't quote me on that, but I think Jack still he has does. more than Tiger. He does. So that's the only reason why I would say it that way, Tony. That's it. That's my. This is my opinion. No, I I, I like that because you know it was really hard for me to decide because I and this is what I said. I think indirectly, Wayne Gretzky gets screwed. Because he played hockey. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is nobody really paid attention. Mm-hmm. And it, it, we know that in this town right now that nobody – listen, Flyers have a huge following, but they're still third or fourth on a chart when it comes yeah. to prospective sports teams, right, in the yeah. hometown. So I remember two guys growing up because I wasn't a hockey guy. But I do remember Mario Lemieux and Wayne Gretzky. And Wayne Gretzky, I'll tell you what, he evolutionized the game of hockey and made it a finesse sport instead of a tough guy sport. That was the first step to making hockey more about puck handling than fights. And you remembered it, right? And that that was the big thing. When's the next fight coming? When's the next fight? Wayne Gretzky kind of didn't take it out of hockey, but he he shifted the focus more to the dynamics of the offensive game than he did from the actual the goon. You know, no pun intended, right? Mm -hmm. Jordan, one hundred percent to me, greatest basketball player of all time. And I know we can get into that LeBron argument and Mm air argument, and I, I get all that, but. Again, my opinion, Tom Brady, seven rings. No matter what you think about Tom, seven rings. And Tiger Woods, again, transcended the game of golf. So it was really hard. I, I actually took Wayne Gretzky out. For yeah, me, wow. and, and, and the reason why I took Wayne Gretzky out was because I mm-hmm. think he indirectly gets put out because of the time he played. Now, mm-hmm. and, I, and I say that because if you haven't watched a highlight of Wayne Gretzky, and I don't care if it's – uh, the Edmonton Oilers, Wayne Gretzky, mm-hmm. or it, it, you know, it's LA Kings, Wayne Gretzky. It doesn't matter. You know, yeah. you watch either one of those highlights, and you will be blown away. But yeah. I just think he indirectly gets screwed because he plays on a sport where nobody really followed. 
at that time in a huge audience. And Dan, I know Dan second and says mid flyers were huge. The flyers may have been huge, Dan, but Wayne Gretzky wasn't huge. So what I mean by that is he wasn't the first story on sports center. Wayne Gretzky wasn't those, you know, and that's the thing too. Remember the NHL didn't have a national TV contract when Wayne Gretzky played or Mario Lemieux, right? So they weren't televised like they are now. So the, the the sport has evolutionized and grew greater now. I think now I, I'll tell you what, I think if Gretzky played right now, you know, if you could give him the fountain of youth and he played as a, a 28-year-old man, oh, it'd be a completely different conversation. You look at his statistics, you look at his NHL statistics, his championships and his individual stats. And people will be blown away what he actually accomplished. His season stats, his career stats. I mean, people might – players probably won't touch three or four of them ever. Um, that's, yeah, that's, right. that's how phenomenal Gretzky was. Um, so, I, I mean, it's – to me, that's – that's. and when our – when I was a younger kid, the team that stood in our way of winning championships was that Edmonton team. We would have had the Philadelphia Flyers might have had two or three championships if Gretzky and the Oilers weren't there. Now you're right. You're right. Now Dan says USA Network in the '80s NHL. I did not know that, but Dan, I would I, I would venture to say that the USA Network was probably nothing big time back then. Uh, I don't know. I, I honestly, you know, everybody, you guys, are a little older than me, but for me. Uh, Rich checks in the same thing in the 80s. Now, for me, the only the USA Network work, the way they got big is when they signed WWE and Vince McMahon had a contract that had Monday Night Raw. Honestly, I think that's when the USA Network ring shot through the roof. And that, you know, and, and that's when they started playing all those shows. So um again, Wet's uh, Dan says Gretzky two wow, 210 points one year, more total assists than any player total points that is crazy thanks dan <laughs> right and, on right, and, and that's why dan is a hockey guy if everybody's listening him and vance crew check them out at flyer and ice pod right here on the heat radio sports network they do a fantastic job i couldn't pull and i'm gonna tell you something right now dan did not google that he pulled that right out of his ass seriously <laughs> that the, the, the dude just thinks hockey man he he lives and breathes hockey he really does now our buddy Albert checking in says he would take. <laughs> I love Albert. I would take out Jordan because the other three had smoking wives. Hey, hey, Albert here, man. What's going on with Albert? Oh, uh, that's great, man. Brain damage. It's, it yeah. runs in the family, I think. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Rich says he was the best ever. Gretzky, he did things no one ever did, or, you know, it's so right because here's the funny thing. I actually played hockey. I was a roller hockey kid. I don't know how many pe- people played hockey, but I was a, I was a roller hockey kid. I had my inline skates. I did not play on rollerblades, by the way. I played on the f- uh, four wheels. I wasn't a rollerblade kid. I had a Ron Sutter jersey. I had <laughs> uh, okay. I literally nobody had a Ron Sutter jersey. I had a Ron Sutter jersey because I wanted to be different. Okay, went to a store. People lived in Northeast Philly, new called Six Smiths on oh, yeah. right on Frankfurt Avenue, past the Mayfair Diner. Okay, that's where I got all my stuff sewn on. Uh, I had my coho stick with with with, with the blade that was that, that that you had to get the blowtorch. The bend <laughs> a little bit, right? So you had that slick wrister. Yeah, See, I, yeah. uh, listen, man, I was yeah. I was a hockey kid. I'll yeah. tell you what, if you got hit with one of those pink balls, bro, that hurt like a mother. Oh, right? Yeah, yeah, that yeah. hurt like a mother, man. Mm-hmm. I, one thing I would not be was a goalie. Oh, and I and I had what was the name of the gloves? Um, I can't think they weren't coho, it was another name. I forget. Was it Coop, Cooper? It might have been Cooper. It might have been Cooper. Yeah. Um Adam, check Dana Vance. Adam, thanks, man. You're a great supporter. Uh, they are awesome. Uh, Rick said in Philly, roller hockey was big, and he says, "Yep, I know Frankfurt Ave well." Listen, man, a lot of good times on Frankfurt Ave, brother. A lot of Frank. <laughs> he says that orange ball. Screw that. I'll tell uh, you, man. Here, remember uh, people used to the orange ball in the winter. The orange ball in the winter. Oh, oh no, that was awful. That was brutal. That was brutal. We we used to play. 
Dave, I don't know if you're familiar with it, but we used to play at Roosevelt Playground um, yeah. in Mayfair, and we would have some ridiculous games, man. You had to be tough, bro. I mean, you were getting boarded. You were getting yeah. chucked. You name it. They didn't care well, how big or tall you are. They were hitting you hard. There was a place in the city that we played in a, in a hockey league, a foot hockey league. It was called the Golden Eagle. Do you I remember that? that. Do you remember that? That was down in that, in that area, and we played foot hockey. It was very popular. Yeah. Uh, well, I think it's it, it's coming back a little bit. I, yeah. you know, I I think kids are getting back into it a little bit. Yeah. Um, but not. I don't think it'll ever be the way it was. Um, now your kid plays ice hockey. It costs you five grand a year in equipment. Um, so. Oh my god! <laughs> you're up at you're up at three a.m. because you can only get ice time at four a.m. Oh, look, Dave, that's what I was – the Milex sticks for me to white blade. Yo, those Milex sticks or those white blades, you used to step on them and curve them so much, man. Yeah. I'll tell you what, trying to get that Brett Hall slap shot. That's what you're trying to do. But, um, oh, yeah, they were good old days. But, Dave, we're going to wrap this up. An hour Great. five minutes. Great show, man. I, You know, listen, John Coker – well, it looks like he'll be back tomorrow night on the Fantasy Firebox. If not, he will be back next week, which is great. Uh, we all deal with some things every now and then, and John's taking care of some business. Dave is a busy guy. Uh, glad he was able to join us tonight. Mikey Googs, another busy guy. Uh, quite possibly maybe the only guy no busier than I am. <laughs> but uh, he, he will be back next week. Uh, Dan Green will be with me tomorrow night. Uh, for the fantasy firebox and again like i said we have six day a week content right now and not only are we going to have seven day a week content but we're probably going to have three to four shows a day on this network so again it'll be fantastic um you know a lot of a lot of unique people on this man and and i appreciate everybody's support again the biggest way you can help us out is hit that subscribe button on youtube follow us on youtube uh and we are there and rich rich listen rich, i'll tell you what rich i love this because me and rich are bowling guys i we are going to talk rich if it's just me and you we're going to talk bowling because i i'm a i'm a huge bowling guy uh kyle troop wins PBA championship this weekend. Huge, huge win. Um, nice to see. I'm a Pete Weber guy. I'm a Norm Duke guy. Uh, I, I mean, we, me, me and Rich, Rich, I think me and you could talk forever, man. Maybe what we'll do is we'll get a once a month, Rich. Maybe we'll go around uh, worldwide. Worldwide. Wait, what is it? What was it? The Why World of Sports? That was it. Why World of Sports? And we'll hit the bowling angle, man. Me and Rich, me and Rich Drummond will hit the bowling angle, and uh, we'll do that once a month. That's a good idea because I think a lot of people would really, really enjoy that. Uh, there he is. I just watched Weber. Pete Weber, one of the most charismatic individuals <laughs> in the world of sports. I know Coker loves him too. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, as always, Dave, thanks for joining us. Uh, for everybody checking in, we greatly greatly appreciate it hit the subscribe button on the youtube page follow us on all social formats at heat ratio sports and as always oh and by the way make sure you follow jeff mosher and adam kaplan at inside the birds again fantastic guest tremendous hopefully to get them back on and that's just the beginning i get different people on every week every other week little spotlight sessions different reporters uh, that's what we do here uh, on on the Heat Ratio Sports Network. So, as always, everybody stay safe, stay healthy, and don't forget post game show coming up in about forty minutes. So maybe about ten o'clock. It looks like we were third quarter, a minute thirty five left in this game. I mean, in the third quarter, so still got the fourth quarter left. So uh, get into the Heat Ratio Sports YouTube page for that later. But as always, stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll catch you next week. Peace.